Welcome to the Divine Feminine Revolution Podcast, where women are magical and empowered. I'm your host, Dr. Megan Monday, psychologist turned transformational feminine business coach. This podcast is for you if you want to prioritize your own pleasure, face your fears, and manifest your desires. This podcast is sponsored by the Fearless Feminine Academy, where I teach women how to turn their trauma into their superpowers. My goal is to show women that we can heal our world by creating time and financial freedom by doing whatever the fuck we want. Are you ready for the divine feminine revolution? Let's get vulnerable and go deep. I'm so honored that you're here. Hello and welcome everyone. I am so excited to have you meet my next guest and you shall just go ahead and have you do like a brag intro. Well, um, I help women, specifically those who are empathic or sensitive, heal internalized depression, right? Personal, generational and collective trauma through the body so that they can create a liberated culture right? And express their authentic leadership from the inside out. And I brag that I alchemize pain into power and pleasure, thereby creating more balanced, grounded, and equitable world, right? I love it. Radiated out into the world. So tell me a little bit of the background, like what a big mission that is. And you hit so many key points. I mean, I already kind of know your background. Um, but like, you know, I think a lot of us miss the body and we miss the pleasure piece. And to me, like, that's like the revolution that is happening to like really create that, you know, powerful embodied presence. So like, tell us a little bit about like your journey. Like, how did you become called into this work? Yeah, well, I, um, I grew up in Puerto Rico. Um, so in a culture that was very colonized, island mentality and, and incredibly resilient and beautiful but there's, there's pieces around like mindset that is very narrow and very fixed. And I also grew up in a family where, you know, some of my best qualities, like my sensitivity or my, my love, my heart, uh, my sweetness, you know, they weren't either, they were either not seen or they were seen as a liability, right? So I had to kind of like harden up, toughen up to be able to deal with this, you know, terrible world that we lived in. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I developed sort of a shame of those really wonderful qualities and also, you know, add on to that sort of what it meant to be, um, what it means to be Puerto Rican, what it means to be a woman and all the limitations that go around that in a machista culture. Um, and, you know, I grew up with some abuse and, and to survive, I, I made sure that I flew under the radar. Right. So it benefited me to to hide within my own family, but also socially. Right. And then, you know, as I grew up, um, I, I reached sort of a point, like a breaking point after I had my children. You know, and I, I went through my my doctorate program, my psychology program. I was always interested in psychology, but when I had my children, I started to have like PTSD symptoms Mm. and I started to get physically ill, right? So almost like energetically ill. I I, burn out because I was like a sole breadwinner at the time. Um, 
I was in a relationship that wasn't serving me or serving my, my partner at the time. And I, and I happened upon like a, like a somatic program, like a four-year program. And I, I knew I did like an intro week and that's like, I knew that I needed to heal. And I've been looking for stuff that involved the body because I've been working with people and talking about their trauma, mostly in marginalized communities and seeing that talking about it wasn't getting anywhere. Mm -hmm. So that's how the interest in the body developed more and more. And then, you know, through this whole healing of myself, I, you know, I had gone through a psychology degree and yet I, I arrive in this program and I'm like, oh my God, I didn't know all of that was in there. You know, it was just this, just this opening. It was really like a spiritual awakening mm -hmm. to who am I really, you know, what's, what are we, you know, yeah, it brought out bigger questions. Um, so yeah, it was just fascinating. And then I'm, you know, I always knew that I was going to use it to help other people because I was already in that field. Um, but just when I graduated, I also got more into anti-racism work and I just started to flow in that direction. It's like, what is liberation? Like mm. in my ability to feel all of my feelings or to express all of who I am, mind, body, spirit. I'm like, whoa, I can, I can do a lot of cool stuff with this. Like, let's talk about liberation through the whole body and through our whole expression and authenticity. Yeah. So that's how all of that came to be. That's amazing. And I love how uh, you really talk about like your personal history and the cultural history and how everything kind of integrates and psychology definitely has so much to learn from the healing traditions. And for me, those two things were fused because when I was in grad school, I got really into doing healing work like Reiki. And then we have like a beautiful healing center called Gypsy Hands here. And they had um, like indigenous healers would come through. Like um, we worked a lot with like the Maori healers of New Zealand and they're all about the body and unleashing um, the trauma in the body. And but we're psychology, like we totally miss the body. We're all like, you know, like heads. <laughs> up, you know, and for me being empathic, like I got to the same part of like burnout where yeah. I have been doing so much trauma work with people, even though I'm a healer and I get regular healing and all this stuff, it was just, it was overload. And I, I think it was more like the universe saying like, Hey, like you figured this stuff out. Now it's time to like share the message with people. Um, but yes, I, I totally relate to that. And, um, the somatic, it just like really fires me up because that's where all the wisdom is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Pieces. And my focus now and, and sort of the miracle, the miracle of COVID is that like what I'm focused on now more intently is on teaching people how to heal themselves. Yes. Right. Like they're self healers. And I always knew that, but I'm being more explicit about it. Like you can do this. If you follow, if you tune in with your own intuition and follow the energy in your body, you will know, you will be able to follow how it wants to be released. You know, and so I operate as a guide to teach people how to just continue doing that. That's so amazing because, you know, I think when we experience trauma, like whether it's like culture, you know, like oppression or whether it's like personal family trauma or whatever, like obviously we get sort of disconnected from the body. We a lot of times are objectified, you know, all of these things. And it cuts us off from like trusting ourselves. Um, Tell me about like, how do you lead someone through that like intuitive journey of trusting themselves and healing themselves? Yeah, I think that, you know, <clears throat> I, 
all the work that I do is relational, right? Like what's your relationship to grief? What's your relationship to shame? Right. And like, how do you experience that in your body? Like if something's coming up, like people can say, Oh, I have some, something around my heart. Okay. Well, can you breathe into it? What's that like? Right. And can you, can you have a relationship right now that is just your compassionate observer? Can you drop in a little bit more with your breath? Does it need to move around? Right. And so it's really like working in the moment, movement, breath, and voice. Like, does it have a sound and thereby, you know, releasing it or, or like just, yeah, just having a relationship with it. And when people can have a kind, gentle, compassionate relationship with their emotions, it's like, wow, I don't need to cut off from that. I don't need to stuff it anywhere. I can, it can just be here and I can kind of love it, you know? And so that, that's also like, that's the process of like loving yourself. And when you love yourself, you don't have to hide anything. It all gets to be out there. Yeah, nothing is like restricted or bad. And so I think, you know, the healing communities and the psychology communities, I think we talk about like loving ourselves a lot. Like, what does that mean? Exactly. exactly. How do we get there? <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's all relational. And I call it, you know, um, I call it relational presencing, mm. right? So like dropping in and feeling and like, you know, can you lean in with a little bit more curiosity, right? Because oftentimes we like, you feel something and you drop in, you're like, Whoa, right? Like, oh, I don't want to go there. Can you drop in a little bit more, right? Can you stay with it just a couple seconds longer, you know? And, and when we move through things, like the miracle, I just had a session just before this and she was following her own energy and she moved something and then she started laughing and we laughed together and we're like look what you just did right and you celebrate it and there's a, there's the empowerment there's the pleasure right there's the power yeah and like the avoidance keeps us stuck right it gives us like the temporary relief because we like sort of disassociate from like whatever the pain is but like i really do truly believe that the pain is like the messenger and, and you really do need like a guide to help you. It's like yeah. when I first started to do the swamping work, like that felt like really scary to me. I didn't really want to do that alone. Um, I yeah. need someone to hold space with me. And then very quickly it shifted into like, oh, okay, I can do this work. Um, so, so powerful, uh, you know, a piece to that. Um, like, were you always this way? Did you have a lot of fear? Or how did you build that, like, love and acceptance and, you know, willingness to, like, you know, face these things? You know what's funny, Megan? I, I grew up, like, I, I had anxiety growing up, but I wasn't really allowed to feel fear because I had to be tough, which has really helped me, you know, do things that, like, that other people might not do. But it's my, my healing process has been learning how to feel fear, mm. connecting with fear, making friends with fear. And like, I, I often think of and tell people like inviting people to think of fear is like, okay, so like, don't let it drive the car. Don't let it drive the car. But what if it sat next to you on the, in the passenger seat and you have your hands on the wheel and it can just be there 
then you can hang together, but don't like stuff it in the trunk, right? Or between the seats, but like, let it be there. And like, okay, like, you know, we're here. And especially if you are in a process of expanding, you know, fear is going to be there. It's just part of the deal. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I think for me, it's, um, you know, I had, um, over the last couple of years, I've had to feel a lot of fear. Um, you know, I had a friend of mine who passed recently and she, um, had like a three year battle with a, like a really aggressive cancer. Mm-hmm. And so I was with her in like facing death and I had to face my own mortality and like, who isn't, you know, most people are afraid of death. And I certainly was. And I was like, Oh my God. And then hurricane Maria and feeling like my whole childhood was just sort of like ripped from under me um, and feeling the collective grief of that. And the, you know, and then just on Monday, I had a tree fall on my house. I thought. <laughs> And I call of a session, huh? <laughs> and um, and you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that I'm having to do that I'm scared of and that I don't like. And I'm just like, okay, we're gonna breathe through this. We're just gonna get through this one moment at a time, right? And again, the gentle, the gentle, compassionate voice of like, all right, this is scary. You hate adulting. It's fine. <laughs> we're gonna do it. Oh my God. That's so funny. Yeah. I think normalizing the fear part, um, because we all want to embrace that fearless archetype, but it's just really about like moving through the fear, um, and making contact with it, which I love that relational piece for you. And so to me, that brings up like the, um, decolonization, anti-racism work, you know, we're going like, particularly like white people are having to face like this lineage of, you know, creating this system that has been hurting and killing people for so long. Like, you know, in psychology, they talk about like the way to do stereotype reduction is just like through contact by like getting to know people, getting outside of our bubble, like understanding that, you know, my experience may be different from your experience. So like, it seems like, you know, that's a big piece of the work you do. So tell me all the things. Well, you know, I think that, um, you know, with anti-racism work, like I, I, I do anti-racism work and I, you know, the internalized oppressive oppression piece, especially, but you know, like I'm afraid to say the wrong thing. And I, I mess up all the time. And when I mess up, I feel like, you know, I have that fear of like, Oh, nobody's going to like me. And like all the stories and, you know, that's, that's sort of complicated because like we do hurt people. And so can we be in, can we be in repair, mm-hmm. you know, and can we have the, the, the courageous conversations and that we, you know, that are, that are hard to have. And so I, I always feel like whenever I, I talk about fear or I think about fear, like courage and vulnerability have to be part of the conversation. Like we have to um, be willing be willing to be open to making mistakes and be willing to be with the stuff that, you know, make the mistakes and get messy. And cause that's part of our authenticity, our humanity. And, you know, often our fears come down to, again, relational things like, you know, will people stop loving me? Will, you know, will I be rejected or will I stop belonging? You know, it gets really into some, some core some core wounding or core beliefs around, around relational stuff. 
And I think that's the tough part about particularly being a visionary leader uh, is that you have to go first and you're trailblazing this path and there's not like a perfect way to do it. And you're going to make mistakes. And I think that's what sinks a lot of businesses, sinks a lot of people who have these big missions is that they get caught up in the fear of making a mistake or the perfectionism um, or the yeah, whatever. Like, I think some of that criticism, rejection, abandonment stuff is like, it's going to happen if you're questioning the status quo, right? (laughs) You know, and even in my own business, you know, I started Embodied Latinx Leadership Academy a year ago, a little over a year ago, you know, and I did set it up, got it going. I have this beautiful cohort of women that we're going through this course together. And then I'm like, Oh, you know, it's, oh, gosh, I, you know, most of my mentors have been black women and I'm like, ah, I'm leaving them out. This feels so uncomfortable. It's not aligned. It's not really what I believe in. Like I believe in affinity groups and the need for that, but like, mm. so my conscious was like poking at me and then I'm like, I think I need to change this whole thing. I'm like, okay, let's do it. You know? And so, yeah, like coming, you know, the thing that I've been sitting with is like, just like when I post anything on Instagram or when I show up anywhere, when I share something or where I am in the moment, it's just where I am in the moment, you know, and I call it revolutionary with the parentheses around the R. I love that. The evolution is part of the revolution. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always evolving. I'm always changing. I'm always shifting. And what's true for me today is just true for me today. Tomorrow is going to be different. And so we need to like forgive ourselves for like, oh yeah, 10 years ago I was there. And it's, I'm not going to punish myself for being there. I'm just going to be like, yeah, yeah, that's just where you were. In the path, yeah. And we can do that with other people too. You know, we can say, okay, well, there you are. And, you know, I, I wish you were in this place, but you're just here, you know? And so those those shifts and and forgiving yourself or being gentle with yourself is it's all part of the process you know the evolving the shifting the changing the opening um yeah so. i love that actually when i was creating my academy i was in like create your signature program kind of coaching thing yeah. and um, it was high level program. And so I was like, well, what will people pay for? And I was like, it was all up here. And I was like, well, I've had good luck with like being a trauma therapist and curing panic attacks. And I'm going to make it about panic attacks. And then I got the name, which was Fearless Feminine Academy. But then it really was, uh, I thought, God, I'm just repeating exactly what I'm like burnout, <laughs> you know? And so like, that was just like a piece of it. But I do believe that these things like kind of shift. And, and for me, like the sole mission work was really to be able to like, you know, really like strength empower women and give them permission to be seen. And so that's where I like focused really on the visibility piece, because I think we're really, especially if you are like, as a woman, you know, taught to be like self-sacrificing or taking care of everybody else. Um, and that's kind of what happened to me. I like had achieved, I gotten all the things, I checked all the boxes and I was like, oh, like I don't feel good with this. <laughs> what I, this isn't what I want anymore, you know? And then people look at you like you're a little crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I remember my husband saying to me like, um, well, you know, you like have student loan payments for like 30 years. <laughs> like you can't just not be a psychologist anymore. Um, <laughs> you know, but like, it's one of those things that like, you know, I think we always, 
have this moment where we can break free of something that was serving us, but maybe no longer is. And it turns it, it's not like you lose all of that knowledge. Like it just evolves. And um, something you said, um, the visibility piece, I think is really important. Um, You know, because if, you know, a lot of times we have, I'll say we, not really sure who the we is. I would say women maybe, Um, but we have, you know, we're afraid to be seen for so many reasons, so many reasons, including like, you know, the internalized patriarchy that's like, yeah, like disappear. Mm-hmm. disappear become selfless right give so much that you that there's nothing left of you like right disappear oh, right. That messaging is just like in the in the energy of a space and so I have a lot of you know fear of visibility and I like I do like selfie work <laughs> I take juicy selfies of myself every day just oh it's just like I'm here I'm here I'm here. I'm here. I keep showing up. And again, (laughs) you know, and that's, it's a practice. All, all that we do to expand and evolve, I believe is a practice. Pleasure is a practice, you know, showing up as a practice. That's how I, that's how I, you know, do my work in, in, you know, my own life is just practicing. I love that so much. And it makes me think of, I remember in my younger years reading a short story and she was actually taking pictures of the different parts of herself. And it was like, she was trying to come to this piece of like, who was she as a whole, like the different parts. And so when you talked about that, it just like brought that story back to me. And I remember not like getting it at the level that I do now, but like being like, huh, there's something to that, you know? And a big thing for me is just that um, it's like, we either feel like we're, we've got all this baggage around like unworthiness, like I'm not enough. Or when we step just past that, even a little bit, then it's like, Oh, I'm too much. <laughs> I know. It's like, where's that line? Not enough. Too much. Thin, like tight rope kind of line that leaves us in this like hypervigilant, like I can't just be who I am. And so like, I love the part where you were saying like, you don't have to hide anything. And we know that like with shame, like the innate responses to hide, um, and a lot of us get that, especially if we've been a trauma survivor, like we develop our intuition to stay safe. And a big part of that may be hiding. Absolutely. Absolutely. And even thinking about like, um, age and visibility, right? As we age, like society just wants us to become invisible. We're not sexual anymore. We're not like even worth being around anymore. Nobody wants to see you anymore. And it's like, that's, that's even a bigger challenge for me now. It's like, as I just had, a, you know, I just turned 47, you know, and there's, I hear the voice that says like, nobody wants to see that. And I'm like, yes, they do. And I want to see me. I want to see me. I want to feel me. And so that's what kind of keeps me going. But I hear that voice. I feel the energy of that. No, you know, coming from society. And I'm just like, ignore, eh, delete. <laughs> Yeah. And visibility, like whatever it is, like if you turn on the TV, what is visible to you is like sort of creating a narrative around what's normal. And so if you just like delete out um, certain demographics, like age or certain ethnicities or certain people's point of views, like those become disowned. Right. And then we don't know about them and we're afraid of them. And there's all these like, you know, shadowy kinds of things around that. And so I love love the idea of like putting that narrative forward and what came to me was like 
you know, with age, what do we get? We get wisdom. And so it's like, and you know, like, um, when people are attached to their like heritage and their culture, like that's such a huge source of wisdom. And so it's like all the different ways society is blocking us from our own like healing and wisdom. Right. Right. And changing, yeah. Changing the story around what is beautiful. Mm-hmm. What is beautiful? Wrinkles are beautiful. You know, gray is beautiful. Even saggy is beautiful, you know? Like, it all gets to be good. Yeah. I know. There's this Ani DeFranco line that's something, like, um, about stretch marks. Like, look look at the places I've grown. And I yeah. just think that's, like, so amazing. And, um, and yeah, I'm always saying to clients, especially around, like, embodied sexuality or just, like, enjoying the moment. It's, like, it's not how you look. It's how you feel. And when we're so focused on the look, like, that's objectification, right? Because what looks good often doesn't feel very good, right? (laughs) Exactly, yeah. And I often speak to people about the lens, right? Like with what lens are you looking at yourself right now? Are you looking at yourself with the patriarchal lens, with the capitalist lens, right? Are you consumable right now? Mm -hmm. Um, Are you looking at yourself from the white supremacist lens? You know, all those pieces matter, you know? And so when we... Oftentimes, like when women are, when we're swamping, for example, there's no lens, right? At least, at least sometimes in the moment where you are in your body, there's no lens and it feels good, right? And you forget for a moment and you're free for that moment, right? But sometimes you catch yourself and you're like, there's a lens again. Oh God, I feel weird or I look stupid or I'm self-conscious, right? Can you, can you divest from the lens? It's so powerful. Uh, my daughter actually, she's, she's almost eight. Uh, last night she was asking me to swamp and, uh, her favorite thing to do is like to beat on a pillow. And then she goes, die, die, die. (laughs) I mentioned this actually on another episode. So that'll be like memorialized twice, but you know, there's part of me that's going like, Oh my God, is this diagnostic? You know? And then there's part of me that's like, fuck yeah. Like she's going for it. Like she's got something inside her that needs to come out. Right. Yeah. Let me tell you, Megan, motherhood is a whole other podcast episode. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You know, but like, if we just have these tools and like, you know, I think the self-expression piece is so um, powerful. Uh, and actually like when I was, um, doing some of the Mori work, a lot of times when someone had had like sexual trauma or like really severe abuse, they would have someone, um, like kind of like pin them down and they would have to like fight to get that person off them. And they believe that that was the way that they got their will back. And like, you know, that they like, it was kind of a soul retrieval thing and a way that they could like reclaim the power to be in their own life again. And, you know, you can imagine that was like really re-triggering and everybody else was like cheering them on and like, you know, like encouraging them to like go for it and everything. But those moments were always kind of like swamping. I mean, they're just like so intense. And I think, um, you know, like Western, we we just want to like pop a pill and forget about it versus like doing the work of like contacting, you know, the deepest wounds and the most intense emotions. Yeah, and, and I wanted to say something earlier too about like when when you heal, because healing is just coming back to wholeness, coming back to the wholeness that you already are. Um, I think that what what I wanted to name was also the right, the deepening of your intuition, the opening up of your creativity, right? The contact with your courage. All of those things are the reward, right? What you get in return for your willingness to feel, right? Um, And that 
Like we need that in the world. We need people who can feel themselves and feel other people. We need, we need to cre create a whole new culture, right? And we create that, right? We create it out there in our relationships, but we create it in the relationship we have with ourselves. And just by showing up, just by walking into a room like AOC, for example, you feel it and you're like, shit, I want some of that. That is good. You know, you get a transmission that isn't necessarily like words. It's energetic, right? Exactly. Exactly. And we know it when we see it, right? We, or we feel it when we see it, you know, but we don't always believe that we have that power as well, that we have the effect on other people as well. Well, I'm curious, you know, one of my specialties, especially within my private practice has been working with like empaths, highly sensitive people, a lot of times trauma survivors. And so a lot of these people are more likely to experience anxiety and depression because we are feelers. And a lot of times we're carrying the pain and suffering of other people. So just wondering if you had any, um, that's where I can kind of get so boxy around like diagnoses and, and just wondering if there was anything you wanted to say around those things. Yeah, just like um yeah, some of the some of the empathic, the more empathic people I've worked with have really heavy trauma histories. Um, and it's not just like objectively speaking, right? There's that piece, but there's also like, you know, our nervous systems are just more receptive. We just like just feel shit more. I remember growing up and having like older men's eyes on me, and I was I would feel like they were undressing me, mm -hmm. you know very exposed you know so just how we perceive things and how we take things in is 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 powerful but also where empaths are more capable of um you know we have more dopamine receptors too <laughs> so when <laughs> we feel all the things that go painful you know that's interesting as my intuitive uh abilities got stronger and stronger um I call it like my like curve radar is very strong. And I find that even if it's not someone who stereotypically looks like someone who you would like sort of think of as sketchy, um, even if they don't look like that, I can just see, sort of feel, see, sense the, the darkness within that person. And so you know, I've had so many people tell me where they like got the intuitive hit that like ultimately like saved them from like a life-threatening situation. And so that's like a big piece that's always super powerful to me is just like listening, owning, honoring your intuition. Um, it's yeah. so needed. And we just, going back, it. yeah, going back to your diagnosis question too, like, yeah, you know, empathic people, sensitive people, you know, get labeled quicker, right? Because there's a way that we don't really honor, honor highly sensitive people. We think they're something wrong. There's something wrong with them. And oftentimes, you know, we feel like we don't belong, but you know, we're really needed. I feel like we are the helpers and the healers of, of our society. You know, we need to become more relational. Part of the reason we have the societal problems we have is because we don't, we don't bring our hearts to things, right? We don't like see each other. We don't feel each other. We ignore people. We say, I'm better than you, or I don't see you or, right. And, and I, or I get to abuse you and feel pleasure doing so, mm -hmm. you know? So I feel like we need to become more relational 
And part of that is, you know, can we face our own darkness, right? Our own, I don't use the word darkness, but our own shadow, our own unconscious, right? Our disowned parts, right? Because when we can honor that, when we can feel those, then we can like, then we can meet other people's better, you know? Yeah, hundred percent with that one, you know, and I think we're so scared to look at something that like really just bringing light to it, like is what frees us from it. You know, it's when we keep it like locked away that it like festers and, you know, and I think that's culturally what has happened by, um, you know, it's like everything's been hiding in plain sight, you know, like we say one thing and we do another, you know, and so there's so many mixed messages and so much stuff that's like so blatant and yet it's so hidden. It's like a weird dialectic there. Yeah. And our culture is all about not feeling. Don't feel that. Don't feel that. Our school system, you know, don't create, <laughs> you know. And um, so it, it, we become armored in our bodies and we develop armoring around our hearts too, right? And de-armoring involves like, ah, you know, like, yeah. like let's bring movement that, that maybe is outside of the bounds of what you're used to right? Around what you're comfortable, right? Getting into uncomfortable places with your body, getting into uncomfortable places with your breath, deepening your breath, bringing it down to your pussy or to your, you know, lower chakras or inner, you know, deep, deep into your organs, you know, so there's all of, all of those pieces there as well. I'm so glad you named pussy. Like, tell us about pussy power. Like, what does that mean to you? And how did you like get interested in that kind of work? Oh, Megan. <laughs> That could be its whole own episode. I'm sure we could talk for a long time about that. But just give us a little flavor of that. Yeah, no, it's been it's been you know like like when I when I got sick or when I had my first child, my pussy just turned off. Mm-hmm. Something like I felt it was broken. Something happened, and and part of my reason for going into this four year certification program is like I want it back. And slowly through the healing process, I began to get it back, but I wasn't comfortable saying the word pussy or, or pussy syndrome, right? <laughs> not, and certainly not like being recorded. Um, but I went to, <laughs> I went to a Mama Gina weekend and I remember it was just like one of the, one of the, like the, the taster weekends. And I remember just sitting there and like my whole brain cells, like reorganizing and I could feel all the like. And I was like, oh, oh, God, you know. <laughs> I love that. And I came back like unlocked. I came back unlocked. I was like, oh, shit, be careful, world. This shit's coming out now. You know, and I had already been feeling it. Like when I, when I dance, I connect to spirit. I connect to sexuality. It's like right there. It's so easy. Um, but then I started to connect with it more and more. And then I just be- got in contact with more people who were doing this work, like you and you know, all the people in Peace School. And it was like, it just blew my mind. And now I just like, it's, it's my whole life. It's just like sexuality, 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 you know, or even, even feeling your grief can be a sexual experience. There's pleasure. It's like, I've become like a pleasure queen. I move through my day feeling my feelings and like looking for opportunities to experience pleasure. Oh, let's light this candle. Oh, let me wash my hands with this soap. Mm, that feels good. Or mm, this towel or this robe or, oh, my hair. Like <laughs> whatever is there, I, like, I'm noticing it. I'm taking it in. I'm receiving it. You know, So it's become a whole paradigm shift in my life. And that's why I'm like 
so excited about it and excited to bring this work with to women, women of color in particular. I don't exclude white women, but I, I do want to give like special voice to women of color because from the I know it as a Latina or as a Latinx woman, the moment we're fucking born, the moment we're born, it's like shut it down, shut it down. The moment we're born, I even remember as a child you know, watching my cousins being born and people were talking about the penis. <gasps> Look at that beautiful penis. Nobody ever said that about a clitoris or a vulva, you know, but it was all that exaltation of the penis. It was so distorted and, and sick, really, just to be like so focused on it. But that's part of, that's an exaggerated example. Um, but yeah, that exists. That's real. And so yeah, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate what is fluid. Let's celebrate what is in balance. Let's celebrate our bodies, our beautiful vessels, um, and honor the, even the aging process or the ways that our body change shape, you know, how we metabolize emotion through the body. I love that you brought that conversation up because I think that's an edge for me. And I had people in my life saying like, why are you talking about pussy especially men I think like went straight to like oh you know the shaming of like blood or whore or whatever you want to say um and it like it's like forbidden and taboo and I think with that psychologist baggage I was like is this like can I even talk about this and my partner was like well like I mean they're sex therapists like who cares you know and I was like oh yeah like okay um but you know I think like it's bigger than just sexuality. I think sexuality is a huge part of it because of like the Kundalini and the energy and then all the like, you know, shame and baggage and stuff that we have around that piece of it. But like, ultimately it's just like about like letting it flow and be free, like you said, and like taking up the space and emphasizing the pleasure. And it's like, you know, we can water it down and call it like self-care or self-soothe, you know, and that's fine too. It's a little bit more like palatable that way. However, I think like when you connect it to like that creative source, you know, because pussy ultimately is source, right? Yeah, source energy. It's, it's spirituality. It's spirituality. Yeah. And that's why it's so exciting because I, I had it, it was disconnected for me. There was spirituality and there was sexuality. And that whole merging process is like, woo, that is great. Yeah. And I think a lot of times what I've seen in my clients who've been trauma survivors is that either they become like hypersexual and then that creates like a whole like, you know, relationship issues or abuse or like whatever, or they just shut it down completely and they want like nothing to do with it. And I think even if you don't have like trauma or abuse, like I think like it's just so all or nothing in the way that we view sexuality. And there is so much like especially with American culture, like we're obsessed with it, but then we also have this like virgin whore thing around it. And so like, I think to just realize like, it's okay to feel good. It's okay to be in your body. Like that seems so basic, but like, it's really revolutionary because not many people do it. <laughs> and it's like the sexuality in our culture is a distortion of the real sexuality. Mm. It's a plastic version of what we're really talking about here, right? Yeah, and I think like I've seen some things where they talk about like pornography as like um, sort of an attack on um, sexuality because it is such a powerful experience. And so when you 
I think a lot of the younger generations are learning about sex through porn and that's not embodied sexuality. Those people may not even know each other. They probably have their own trauma histories. Like that is not pleasure, you know, especially when you add that violence piece to it, which a lot of times is sensationalized in there. And so I think people, you know, um, are coming up thinking that this is what it is when it's, you know, couldn't be further from like pleasure or like love or trust or any of the things that really go into like a deep loving sexual, sexual doesn't even hit it. Like, um, you know, trusting intimate relationship. Yeah. Most people and myself included, you know, have their hearts disconnected from their pelvises. Mm-hmm. So it's like this is this is what we're this is what we're working on in the body is uniting the two, and they unite at the solar plexus in the personal personal power center. Love you that. Know? So, like, how did you wake her up, so to speak? Like, once you got done with that like retreat at Mama Gina's, like, what happened next? It was just um, a curiosity, just curiosity, and more reading and more connecting with women who were connected to their pussies. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? That's so interesting. Let me learn from you. So it was, it was women showing up. It was, you know, me learning just by watching and feeling and connecting to the part of me that said, Oh, I want that too. Or that looks good. Or that's in me as well. You know, my own desire, my own desire to be connected to it. Yeah. It's been so powerful as I've been doing these interviews. I've done several like right in a row. And it's like, I see these like really big pieces of my own mission and my story and my work. And when I see it, like I can see it so clearly in you and then it gets mirrored back to me. And it's just like, that's the power of like groups and community and these like experiences is that like there is strength in numbers and it's like, well, if she can have it, like, you know, okay, I see something in her that I want and I get triggered by it. Um, if I can instead just go like, okay, I'm triggered because I want that. And so like, instead of tearing that down, I'm going to say like, Hey, how do I get some? Right. Right. And people often like they shut down their envy or their jealousy. I was like, no, get curious about that. What's in there. Right. Is there a desire in there? Is there a need in there? Right. There's always something underneath. You're not a bad person for feeling what you're feeling. You know, there's always something in the deeper layers. So deep. So like, what do you think is like a good tip to help people go deep? A tip to help people go deep. For me, it's the curiosity piece. Mm. We're not, we're not taught to be curious about our emotions, right? It was like, oh yeah, I feel that. Or, um, we, we say, yeah, I feel that. And then we go away and we leave ourselves immediately. We're avoidant. Um, so the curiosity, it's, it's a combination of curiosity and staying. Mm-hmm. Cause when you think about parenting, right? When you think about, uh, intimacy or, you know, those, those bonds, you know, rarely are we waited on, right? It's like, okay, stop crying. Okay. You had the feeling, okay, like get over it now. But what have you hung out with it a little bit? What have you stayed? And what have you stayed with that curiosity, with that patience, right? What, what unfolds then? And for me, and there's a mad, that's magical space because it is there 
when you get to drop into that space and you stay for the longer, what unfolds is intuition, right? Then we start dropping into deeper layers. We get messages from our bodies. We get messages from our ancestors, right? We get, you know, we, we, can, we can tap into, you know, three billion years worth of ancestor wisdom right there mm. in those layers. So it's like hanging out there and waiting, right? Because our bodies want to speak to us all the time and they do, but we have to listen, you know? And when we listen, we get a whole bunch of shit coming in. And not judging what's coming in, you know, because I think whenever I think of curiosity, um, I spent a couple of years working at a holistic treatment center. And so we did a lot of mindfulness work. And so, you know, the difference between judging and being curious, like whenever you're curious, you're in mindfulness. And I think the world has gotten so busy and stressful. And, you know, a lot of times it's like, we're out of body. We just jump out when things get hard. And so I love what you're saying about staying and um, what how, I mean, obviously it's like pleasure helps us soothe the nervous system. Um, but what practices have you seen sort of work for yourself or for the, your clients as far as soothing that nervous system so that they can stay? Hmm. Other than pleasure? Well, or like pleasure practices, you know, whichever, however you want to talk about it. Yeah. Like even just like rocking the body. Mm-hmm. You know, like every morning I, I, um, I put music on, and I dance in the shower, mm-hmm. you know, careful not to slip, of course, yes. but you know, just taking a shower and just kind of feeling my body connecting with myself. I'm um, having a moment of intimacy. Um, what else do I do? Nature is huge for me. I'm not okay. If I'm not around, you know, trees, forests, water, sand, dirt, something, mm-hmm. uh, art making, right? Actually creating, singing, writing, some, some sort of expression, right? The body wants to express, right? We are spirits that want to express. So any, any form of expression is, is part of pleasure and just intimacy, just being together, spending time together. I love that so much. And a big part of my work has just been about like how healing creativity is. And I think we're like here on the planet to create things. Like, I think that's our mission, you know, and I think so much of our um, sort of capitalist leanings have trained us to be consumers rather than creators. So I'm like totally with you on that. And I remember one time I was at an eating disorder uh, seminar and and the woman herself was in recovery from an eating disorder. And she just said like, I've got some really intense energy and it's either going to come out in this eating disorder or it's going to come out in my art or it's going to come out in, you know, playing guitar or, you know, like my life mission or whatever it is. And so it's like, you know, a lot of times people will say to me like, oh, I just want to get rid of the fear. So I never have fear again. Well, like, good luck with that, you know, cause that's just an inevitable part of the experience. Um, but instead it's about like, how do we direct that intense energy in ways that like serve us and nurture us and like fulfill us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as you were talking, I was thinking about like, when we don't express our creativity, right. It festers, right. It just starts to, right? we start getting angry. You know, I was in the energy healing a couple of months ago and my energy healer was like, your shadow is really angry. <laughs> And I was like, it is? And he was just like, yeah, you're not, you, you know, there's, there's light in there, right? There's really good parts in there that want to be expressed. 
and you're shutting it down. You're trying to like be perfect. And I was like, you can try to die uh, pillow technique. (laughs) That's right. And so when we, when we're not in our fullest expression, we become sick, right? Hence the going back earlier to what you were saying, anxiety, Mm -hmm. right? Other mental health issues, right? These are the split how we split off from ourselves and we become sick physically, even, especially if we're really sensitive, we become physically ill. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've done a lot of work around like medical intuition and energy work and that kind of thing. And, you know, I always knew I was intuitive. And then I took um, Dr. Mona Lisa Schultz, who she's really amazing. She's a yeah, neuropsychiatrist and a medical intuitive. And so I've taken some of her workshops and I always knew I was intuitive, but in therapy, people just tell you, you know, that's what they're there to say. So I didn't have to like use, you know, my um, gift a lot because people were already telling me and then we would work through it or whatever. But then when I actually was able to do the medical intuition part, which if you don't know, it's just basically like you do a reading of what's happening inside someone's body, what's aggravating their health conditions. And then when I realized like, just and just knowing their like name or date of birth or something like that, but no other information, not even being physically with that person. And then I got it all right. I was like, oh my God, no wonder therapy is so freaking intense for me. It's like, I'm swimming in these people's ancestral, like, you know, pools of like, they're, you know, they're here in the room with us as we're doing the work. And it's always so funny to me when like square therapists are, you know, like they don't realize like actually what the fuck they're doing, you know, it's just this like really deep healing work. And we're not taught to like understand that that's what's happening with that lens. And, you know, obviously for some people they're shut off from that and maybe it's not that intense for them, but it doesn't mean that those ancestors or those spirit guides aren't there. They're just, you just can't hear them. (laughs) Feel them or see them. That's true. That's my experience too. I'm glad that you named that. Yeah. I, I do also feel that like, yeah. And when we were, you know, when I had my brick and mortar business, I could, you know, I could put my hands on somebody and, and see things that had happened to them and, and sort of even like pull it off of their bodies and run it through mine and get back down into the ground. It's like very intense experiences. Like we, we are so much more than what we think we are. Absolutely. And I mean, I think like there's um, in some of the, you know, like working with the Mori healers, like they know their generations, like, like hundreds of generations back, they know their history. And I think that's so much of what, especially like in Western and American cultures is that like, we don't know our history. Our history has been like written by, you know, the victors, as they say, um, we're a lot of times we don't know more than just like our grandparents. Um, and so like, I think that, you know, when we lose that sort of like tribal sense, that ancestral piece, like we're just so much easier to control and we don't know who we are. Um, and we don't know what's like floating around in our lines, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, and, and just before we go, um, you know, with the ancestor piece, you know, our ancestors didn't get to do any or do much healing work. Mm-hmm. You know? And there's a pile on like a compounding of, of trauma Mm -hmm. And, you know, we are here now, we have this luxury, we have the luxury of having information at our fingertips about, about healing. And I know that when I've, when I've done healing work and I've sort of connected with them as I'm doing the healing, I see them clapping. Yeah. They're just like, yeah, go girl, do it, do it. You know, I, I feel that. And so I really feel, um, yeah, this part of my drive 
to bring this book to people. It's like this, this wants to happen. This wants to happen. Yes. And the healing can go backwards and forward. So like, for example, if you do Reiki, there's like an interdimensional, um, like you can do distance healing. You don't physically have to be with the person. You can um, heal the past. You can heal the future. Um, and so I think it really gives us like a sense of agency that most people don't have in the sense of like, for example, like with anti-racism, like, oh, well, you know, I didn't own slaves. Like, what does that have to do with me? You know, which obviously is like very <laughs> myopic and and wrong. But like, you know, when we, uh, we can heal those things, obviously by like, you know, fixing it for the future so that people, um, you know, have reparations and they can restore their safety and they can do this ancestral healing. Um, but like, it is all connected. It's like, it is one big, like kind of time loop. And so we can access those things and we can heal on a level that like, it is hard to fathom. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> I love that so much. Um, so yeah. And just like spirit, <laughs> like the ancestors clapping, you know, like they sometimes want you to do stuff that you're like, you want me to talk about what? Like you want me to show up in this way. And so I think intuition is not logical, analytical in that sense. And so like developing that self-trust and the ability to self-soothe. I mean, several times already in recording these episodes, I'm like, whoa, that's what wants to come through. Like, okay, I'm really speaking my truth now. Am I okay with that? Yes, I am okay. You know, but I also have to self-soothe afterwards. Um, so that's why you need someone like yourself. Who's like an awesome guide and coach to be able to like help you be in relation, um, with all of these things. So tell us all about like, how can we work with you? Where can we find you? Um, my business is changing as you, as I had mentioned before. So it's www.embodiedlatinxleadershipacademy.org. I'm changing it to revolutionary reglas, which means rule breaker or pattern breaker. Love it. Um, so that's going to be happening in the next month. So they can find me there. You can hit me up in my DMs on Instagram or on my PMs on Facebook. Yeah, so I have some openings for one-on-one -on -one coaching and I'm going to be developing a group program. I'm just completing a group program, like a uh, yeah, group program, and I'm going to be launching that again in a couple of months. That's so exciting. Well, I just feel so honored to connect with you and... Um, you know, it's just, like I said, the mirroring of what's possible and um, just how important this work is that we're all doing. And, you know, nothing gets me like more excited than just seeing women and really like people, you know, step into their power and break free of old patterns and just like get to fully feel alive. Yeah. Thank you for the invitation, Megan. It was really yeah. beautiful to see you and to sort of be in sync. It's just a beautiful mirroring. Oh, yeah. I love that so much. Okay, well, thank you so much for your time. And of course, we'll be collaborating in the future and stay connected. Um, and definitely check out Isha Bella. She's amazing. Go buy her stuff and see everybody later. Thanks for listening to the Divine Feminine Revolution podcast make sure to subscribe and leave a five-star review. Want to keep the conversation flowing? Find us on Facebook at the Divine Feminine Revolution Facebook group, where revolutionary women gather to listen to their hearts, monetize their gifts, and change the world.